You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. They're coming at us. He's a horse. <laughs> the snap is good. The ball put down. The kick is up. And no good. Wide right. Wide right. The Bills kicker missed a field goal. Wide right. It sucks. I feel like my heart just got ripped out. You won't be needing this. Good morning. Welcome to Halford and Bruff here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, but I am not Mike Halford. I am Jamie Dodd filling in for Mike today, but don't worry. Bruff is here. Good morning. The dogs are here. Good morning, morning, everybody. Hello. hello. How's it going? Hey, dog, you made it here despite the transit strike. Yes. Congrats. Sky trains are running for now. Sky train is running for now. Are all the other ones not? Nope. Buses, sea buses are not running. Sky trains are momentarily running. They might shut down later today, though, apparently. So unfortunately, Halford's feeling a little bit under the weather. If you listen to the show Friday, you could hear that he wasn't quite right. Um, I'm sure he would have loved to have been in this morning to crow about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers no longer (laughs) being part of the NFL playoffs. Alas, you know he's sick because he would have loved that. Alas, he's going to take at least a day off. What a brand to have. Vancouver's foremost Tampa Bay Buccaneers hater. Yeah. (laughs) And I I thought they played. Hey, yeah, yeah, for sure. The Lions, right? hey, they had like, a chance to win it. Yeah. Baker, I mean, <laughs> then Baker threw a pick, which, you know, but uh, they, they were in it with a, a chance to tie it up on the final drive there. Uh, it is Halford and Bruff here. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet. What are you waiting for? I realize I just did your read. You just stepped, stepped on my yeah. read. Completely stepped. blew it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's fine. Good start. Good, Good start. start. <laughs> all right, I'll just sit here for a bit. You go. You I'll, I got a whole go. bunch of other reads you to do, do it here. All, buddy. But yeah, sorry about that. Uh, it also brought you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. And also by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle. You get paid. 1170 Powell Street. Uh, it's because on my show, I can't trust Drance to do any of the reads. So I have to do all of the reads, including the Kintec read. I understand. Yeah. Right. I can't. I can't offload it to uh, to Drance. Drance and I are similar. We both have big egos. Where we're, we're like, we don't do reads. We do takes. <laughs> we do takes. Uh, you want to do the the Dunbar Lumber read, or should I do that too? Uh, if, yeah, if you want to text it into the show to the Dunbar Lumber text line at six fifty six fifty Dunbar Lumber, or three stores to serve you in Ladner and Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Butus in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. Wow, look at you! There you go. Uh, big show coming up today, six thirty. David Amber from Sportsnet Hockey Night in Canada will join us. Uh, lots going on, obviously Canucks and Leafs, which we'll get to in a minute over the weekend. But then some interesting news around the NHL as well over the weekend. Uh, Mike Tannier from the Messenger will join us to wrap up the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Look ahead to the conference championship weekend next week. Kevin Woodley joins the show at eight o'clock. Always uh, a treat to chat with Woodley about the Canucks and the goaltending and some goaltending stuff. Around. Also, 
8.30, of course, is what we learn time. And today we are giving away a pair of tickets to the Canucks and the Blues. That's on Wednesday, January 24th. That's this Wednesday. You can win. We're giving it away to the best what we learned submission. So get your texts in now. Hashtag WWL what you learned over the last 24 hours, really 72 hours in sports on a Monday. And this is very important. Make sure you include the ticket emoji for your chance to win. So a pair of tickets to the Canucks versus the Blues Wednesday, January 24th uh, for the best what we learn submission. We will pick it and announce the winner at 830. Uh, before we get to that, though, let's start with what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? What happened brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit bccsa.ca. And, of course, we will start with the Canucks, who took down the hated Maple Leafs uh, in an early start game on Saturday, 6-4 at Rogers Arena, the final score for the Canucks. Yeah, those are the types of games where you're watching at home and thinking – Boy, I wish I was in the arena for this. Yes. I hope that everyone that's listening right now that got to go to the game had a great time in the arena. The Canucks are now 16-4-1 at Rogers Arena this season. There have been some great games and, more importantly, a lot of wins. Mm -hmm. Um, I watched it from a bar in Whistler, and the whole place was into it. Um, And... Everyone's into the Canucks mm-hmm. right now. It's amazing how much I hear people talking about this team. I'm a big eavesdropper. I love eavesdropping on people's conversations. Right. So it feels like every conversation um, I walk by and I'm like, oh, I'm going to listen to what they're talking about, is about the Canucks and whether or not this is all real. Mm. I'm hearing a lot of, uh, you know, I wonder what they're going to do at the trade deadline. Le- legitimately, I'm not making this up. I walk, walk every Every, not every conversation, but like a lot of conversations I go by, they're talking about this team. Now, when we're talking about this team or the Canucks themselves are talking about themselves, the one word I keep hearing is resiliency. And, you know, some teams, they have like slogans and mm-hmm. stuff and they're you know they listen the Canucks are trying to find an identity and I think they're doing a pretty darn good job of finding one it feels like that word resiliency it has become a rallying cry for a team that has been anything but in the last few years um whether it's not having a three game losing streak all season that means you're resilient yep. that you don't that you don't i mean they've only had two two game losing streaks so that means you battle back from bad performances and you respond um or on saturday not folding the tent after the leafs came back and scored three quick goals to tie the game at 3 or not folding up after they gave up a brutal shorthanded goal to make it 4-4 just stay in the game. Recognize that things are going to go wrong during any game and during any season. Yeah. And just keep battling away. The Canucks, yes, they've managed to stay healthy, so they haven't really needed to show resilience in that uh, area of the game. And knock on wood, hopefully they can stay healthy. But 
the Canucks are finding all sorts of way to, ways to win games this season. Um, their win total now stands at 31 out of 46 games. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, you said there, you know, you know, things will go wrong in a game or things will go wrong during a season. Not not this season, not yet for the Canucks. It yeah. has been absolutely incredible what a dream season it has been from start to finish. And, you know, a couple like the two points you make there, right, about how much people are on board with this team again, but also the resiliency. I think those things are connected, right, because even into like December, right? And the team obviously has had a fantastic record the whole season pretty much. But even into December, I got the sense and we would have people text in that there was this, we were so conditioned for things to go poorly for the Canucks by the last decade yeah, that people were still kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, are they going to blow it? Oh, they've been 500 for a while. What's going on here? Are they going to, you know, get dragged back into a wild card fight in the playoffs? People were waiting for that moment. And I think what's happened now is since then, over the last like six weeks, they've been so good. They go out, they have that road trip. They put the lotto line together. I think they have answered those questions. Now, look, if they go on this incredible losing streak, will those questions crop up? Yeah, of course they will. But I think what they've done, at least for the time being, is with their resiliency, Mm -hmm. by never falling into these traps, never going on this extended losing streak, or even a three-game losing streak, right? Battling back in games like that where they've blown a lead. I think they've answered a lot of those questions, and they've stopped people from thinking, when is the other shoe going to drop? When is this going to collapse? And now they're just living in the moment and enjoying mm-hmm. it. I think that's why people are so excited is it feels like they've answered those questions about the mentality of this team that had existed for so many years coming into this one. That was really like, it was wild, weird, that game. Um, you know, the negative um, would be like the Leafs ended up out shooting mm-hmm. the Canucks, something like 46 to 21. But the way that game started, the Canucks were, all over the Leafs, and if you read the Leafs post-game comments, they were like, just an unacceptable start yep. by us. Uh, they certainly didn't hang it on their goalie, Martin Jones, but that's a problem for the Leafs that we can talk about later. Um, score effects were naturally going to set in. Now, they probably set in a little bit more than the Canucks wanted them to, uh, but the Canucks never trailed in that game. And they had a lot of leads. They, multiple, they were uh-huh. up 3 nothing. They were up 4-3. They were up uh, five four, and then eventually six four. And the Leafs are a good team, and it was Saturday night, and there was a lot of energy in the building. They weren't going to roll over and die either. Um, I just want to say that. Um, so on Friday, uh, your partner Thomas Drance was yes. on the show, and I said, Drancer, oh I want to give you a few minutes to not so much say I told you so, but sing the praises of Connor Garland because Garland has been criticized a lot in this market Mm -hmm. and, you know, started the season, couldn't score. Uh, Now he's starting to score. And, you know, your answer to his credit actually was like, listen, man, I'm eating so much crow about this season. I'm not going to say I told you so about Connor Garland, but we just both agree that we can't say enough good things about how Garland is playing, how well he's playing and how really important the fact that, that line that he makes go with Bluger and Joshua has allowed the Canucks to do things like reunite the lotto line and frankly just just allowed them that that's a big part of the resiliency of the Canucks right you put that mm. line out more often than not things are going to happen um if there's a momentum in the game and it's going against you quite often you can put that line try and like 
not so much retilt the ice, but it'll calm things down a little bit. Um, I know a lot of people will talk about the two goals he scored against the Leafs, but on Hoaglander's second goal, he took a huge hit in the corner. And the thing about Garland is he he doesn't like just be like, ah, I got hit, I'm out of it, right? Yep. He still managed to make a play from the ground to get it to Nils Amon, who got it to Hoaglander, who scored. Um, again, I love what Bluger and Joshua are doing on that line too. They're not, you know, just feeding off Garland. They're doing their own things. But Garland, for me, is the one that makes it go. It's his his playmaking. I think is the straw that stirs the drink for those guys. Right? His playmaking, and I think his his energy mm. and his um, his motor. Yeah. His motor is ridiculous. Even at the end of a, a long shift where the Canucks have been playing usually in the other team's end, he's still able to win battles and keep plays alive. And that line rarely goes down into the offensive end and has like a one and done. Like they normally keep things yep. going. And a lot of the times that's Garland. And how about Nils Hoaglander? Two more goals for this guy. <laughs> Um, he's playing really well, still in a limited role. I know a lot of people want to see him on the power play. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not even on, he's even on the second unit nope. power play, right? So Suter replaced Kuzmenko on the first unit power play again. I don't know if I love that, but I, I don't see it. I don't know if I'd see Hoaglander, but they might want to give him a chance or you just put Hronik back there again. At any rate, the the power play got it done. They scored twice with uh, PD and Miller each getting a goal. Um, what do you think about Hoaglander right now? Uh, to me, I mean, first of all, I think he's playing really well. I wouldn't expect, you know, he's on pace for like 25 plus goals or whatever. I wouldn't necessarily bet on that. Like this is one of the classic examples of a guy where a lot of his shots are going in probably more than you would expect to continue. I don't say that to say he's not playing well. He is playing really well, but again, with Hoaglander, the key thing for him is it's great when you're getting these goals, but you know, you were talking about Connor Garland and I think, that's a pretty reasonable player for him to model some of what he's doing and and how to get and talk. It's good books, right? Because you know, not the biggest guys, but Garland is a great example that as much as Tockett, you know, loves having a player like Dakota Joshua, and we know in the back end how much they value size, you don't have to be a big, strong player to earn Tockett's trust, right? If you're working hard, if you're in on the forecheck, if you're doing those things, you can become somebody that he relies on. And I think we've seen it with Connor Garland. We've seen it in moments with Niels Hoaglander, and the goals mm-hmm. will help. But I kind of look at Hoaglander as much as you can say, oh, can you find a way to move him up the lineup? You know, the third line, or really they're basically the second line at this point, they're playing so well in their role, you want to keep them together. I'm kind of feeling that way about Amon Lafferty and Hoaglander as well. Like, that's a really solid fourth line. Really good. Niels Amon and Sam Lafferty have the defensive trust of the coach. Mm -hmm. So Hoaglander can go out with two guys who are really reliable defensively and try to score goals and try to be the offensive force on that line. And so, yeah, maybe you have to move it around a a little bit at some point. But right now, you've got a bottom six where you feel really good about them playing in their roles and playing the style that the coach wants them to play shift after shift out there. Do you think it's possible that the player that the Canucks target in a trade, and by the sounds of it, they're going to target a few players. They're already targeting <laughs> yep. a few players in a trade. I mean, one of them, Elliot Freeman was saying, listen, I don't know all the players that they're looking at, but mm-hmm. apparently there's four or five. He thinks one of them's Jake Gensel. He thinks another is Elias Lindholm out of Calgary. Um, obviously, 
more. Do you think they're going to target a guy to just essentially replace Kuzmenko? Like he would, he would be a top six yep. winger. I guess not in the case if it's a center, but able to play on the on the power play. So you wouldn't have to have Suter or Horonic or Nils Hoglander on that. I think even if they're not thinking about it in exactly those terms, right? We're playing, replacing Andre Kuzmenko. That's what it's going to end up being. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because you probably have to move him. I think we'll see in order to free up the salary cap space to go add an impact guy. If you decide to do that, and then realistically, you know, it's great that we're just talking about the bottom six lines here, and you know, especially the Garland line with Bluger and Joshua, that has covered up the complete lack of production from the you know theoretical second line, right? The mm-hmm. Pew Suter, Andre Kuzmenko, Ilya Mikheyev trio, and a lot of that has fallen on Andre Kuzmenko, but it's not as if Ilya Mikheyev is out there, you know, filling the stat sheet either, and it's pretty remarkable that. One, they're winning so many games and we're barely talking about, you know, a second line that is really not producing at all. I just think I don't even want to call them the second line. I know they're not. They don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. The Garland line is the de facto second (laughs) line at this point. But it's just such a clear area of need, right? You you would love to go, to be in a place where that Garland line can, in fact, be the third line. Mm-hmm. You have two legitimate scoring lines in the top six, whether it's by keeping the lotto line together or breaking it up or however it is. And I think the only way you accomplish that is by replacing Kuzmenko with an impact player. Just a few things on the Leafs. Um, they all played the Canucks on the night, but some of that or a lot of that was yeah. score effects. Um, more importantly, the Canucks have a very good goalie, and the Leafs do not no. right now. Demko allowed four goals, and you can take issue with a few, although I'm sure the goalie brigade will say, like, it tipped off Susie's step. That's uh-huh. harder than it looked. Um, but he still had a save percentage above 900 because the Leafs put 46 shots on him. Demko was not a detriment to the Canucks on that. In fact, they needed him. Uh, Martin Jones, meanwhile, allowed six goals on just 21 shots, including three in the first period when the Canucks were all over the Leafs. And oftentimes, you know, that's when you need your goalie, especially on the road, when the other team is going to press and you need your goalie to make some saves. Um, You know, I, I don't know what the Leafs are thinking right now. Are they, is Bradshaw Living going to make some moves? Is he going to find a goalie or is he just going to wait for Joseph Wool? Is he going to find some defenseman or is he just going to be like, you know, I don't know if this is the season for us. We'll see what happens in the playoffs, but I don't know if we can give up any assets for a run where our team looks like this. Um, we do have a good text into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Toronto media yeah. talking about Lafferty versus Ryan Reeves. Reeves is sitting and at a big salary for three years and at a contract. I believe that's a 35 plus contract too, because Reeves is like, Reeves is 37. Yeah. And there's a big story on sportsnet.ca about Ryan Reeves not playing. And, you know, he obviously doesn't like being a healthy scratch. But then you also wonder, like, how healthy are you? Because he also talks about having to wear these knee braces. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. his knees are all over the place. You know, like he feels like his knees are loose and that sort of thing. So I'm kind of like, man, you know what? I feel like you're going to end up the same way a lot of Leafs have. Older Leafs where you're just going to be LTI. Permanent LTIR forever. LTI'd and, you know, it's possible, I suppose, that Brian Reeves may not play many, if any, more games in the NHL at all. 
Who could have seen this coming? That the Ryan Reeves three-year deal for a player at his age with his track record wouldn't work out. But the comparison and the point, as you said, brought up in the Dunbar-Lumber text line uh, about Sam Lafferty. Imagine if something like that had happened in reverse, right? Where the Canucks trade a player for a fifth-round pick because they need a roster spot. And remember, again... Originally, it was to uh, keep a roster spot open for Fraser Mitten coming out of training camp, and mm-hmm. he ended up going back to junior. So even like for that purpose, it didn't really work out uh, for very long for the Leafs. And then you have Sam Lafferty doing what he's doing for a winning team, and Ryan Reeves, as you said, looks to be destined for just maybe not playing. And he was he was dreadful when he was in the lineup earlier in the year for the Leafs. So here's another text. Who do you trade if Kuzmenko breaks out and is scoring and playing right? I think it's getting a little late in the season for that. Yeah. Especially the playing right. He might come in and score a few goals. But the playing right thing, I mean, we're halfway through the season here. Yep. The trade deadline's in March, and Jim Rutherford-led teams have often beaten the deadline. Like, they don't wait until the deadline. So we could have a trade pretty soon. Now, I don't know what a Kuzmenko trade looks like. Um I'm pretty sure he's movable to a team like Chicago or San Jose. Yep. I wouldn't expect much in return, but the fact that he's got this second year on his contract, you know, people might be like, "Why would Chicago on him?" Like they're trying to, you know, they're trying to tank. Chicago's giving money away, giving contracts to yeah. Jason Dickinson and Nick Foligno. They're right. just like, "We need guys. We need, we need guys. NHL like, players in our lineup okay, next year." So, so get a load of. I'm just going to bring up the Blackhawks forward lines because these are the ones oh, we're going to see tonight and it really is unfortunate what that Connor Bedard isn't able to play um, I was thinking they should make this guaranteed win night for the Canucks like that could be the gimmick um, full refunds on the tickets if the Canucks don't win probably not going to happen because these were among the highest priced tickets yep. for the Canucks all season because of Connor Bedard now instead of Connor Bedard we will see as the top line in Chicago Philip Kurashev Taylor Radish and Rem Pitlick, Jason Dickinson is their best player? Yep. Did Definitely he, their best forward. Yeah, and he's he's their second-line center. Um, the other centers are Mackenzie Entwistle, Zach Sanford. Like, it is – this team stinks, right? And, 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 you know, they're even worse than – they looked like at the beginning of the season because, of course, they lost Connor Bedard and mm-hmm. he's going to be out a few more weeks. They lost Taylor Hall, which brings us to Corey Perry, who is now apparently, after leaving the Chicago Blackhawks, going to sign with the Edmonton Oilers. Was it always bound to happen? that Corey Perry was going to be back in the NHL this season. Oh, yeah. I think there's too much cachet still with the name. If he wanted it, and obviously he did, some team was going to to do it. So he hasn't done a media availability. Nope. He never did one in Chicago about what happened. They removed him from the team. He went home, and he didn't talk about it. And then basically the whole story is like, something happened. And then eventually Corey Perry released a statement that definitely didn't get into any of the specifics of what happened, but said that he has an issue with alcohol and he's mm-hmm. going to have to try and deal with it. Um, and he obviously apologized. Um, so one of the things that I've been thinking about is whether or not we're going to learn anything more about it. I mean, he's obviously going to get asked about it. If he, if indeed he does sign in Edmonton, it's going to get asked about it. Um, what happened? And I do while I do kind of 
want to know. I also think it might be nice to protect whoever else yes. was involved in this thing. And know? I think that's a pretty easy way for Corey Perry to take answering the questions, right? Yeah. Like you're right, he will be asked about it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't expect a great deal of detail. You know, he's already said he has the problem with alcohol, so I, I wouldn't expect a ton more details, right? I think it's going to be, you know, the typical, hey, I'm focused on focused on here with the Oilers now and that's yeah. in the past and I've, I've made you know, I'm seeking help and all those things but right. I don't think we're going to get a lot of salacious details from what might have happened do you like in, the pickup do you like the pickup for the Oilers I talking about the player it. you know yeah. it, bottom six help for them and the one thing is they're on such an incredible heater now. Like, do you need, how much do you need to change the mix? But he's still a useful player and in a limited role, he can help them for sure. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. I don't think they want to trade those young guys like the Vlanders and the Letter of Mackies, like those are not the guys they want to trade. Now, if you're trading for a good player with term, that's when you start getting into those kinds of conversations. But I've heard those are not the guys they want to trade. Welcome back to Halford and Bruff Sportsnet 650. I am Jamie Dodd filling in for Mike Halford. Today, meticulously brewed for quality and taste, primetime craft beer is full flavor without compromise at a liquor store near you or visit the brewery to see how it's made. Halford and Bruff brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet? What are you waiting for? And then you say, Kintech. Oh, really? I yeah, have to yeah. say Kintech okay, at the we'll end? We'll try it again. Okay. It's like a uh, combo we're, thing. We're coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet? What are you waiting for? Kintech! You did it way better than Halford. <laughs> you nailed it the first time. It. He's like, Kintech. And yeah, then Halford's then getting panics. there, but he's like 80% of the way, and he's only done it 100 times so far. Yeah. You nailed it, Dodd, on your first take. Oh, boy. That's fantastic. Okay, um, so what was that we were listening to coming in? Uh, that was the latest 32 Thoughts podcast. Yes. Um, so Elliot. Hot off out, the presses. Who's been out in BC um, for the last few days. Um, I don't know if he recorded that one in BC or if he's back in Toronto. but um, Shocking revelation. The Canucks do not want to give up their top end prospects. Yeah, and and I and I and and listen, I I know there's some people that are just like so all in on this season that they're like whatever, don't worry about the future, but most of us are kind of like, hey, listen, we'll talk about trading a first round draft pick because mm-hmm. that first round draft pick is pretty close to a second round pick the way the Canucks are going right now. But uh Willander for me is just like no. No. Like, yeah, I see people yeah. wanting to trade Blender and Lecare Mackey for like a rental of Gensel. I'm like, oh God, no. Like yeah. not a chance. Yeah. I mean, I, I would I would consider something like Pod Colson. Um I would consider it for a rental of a player like Jake Gensel. Um, but you know, listen, those aren't the decisions for us to make. Um and I know and this is something that Drance really brought up. Now that you've got Jim Rutherford extended and you've got Patrick Alvin extended, those guys have more interest in the long term 
travels of this team and they're not all in on this season. I think that's true, but I also think it gives them more leeway to take risks as well because you're not in a position where if you do take a big swing and it blows up, right. that you're going to cost true. yourself your job. That's you know true. what I mean? Yeah, no, that's a good like point. If you go yeah. make an aggressive mm-hmm. trade at the trade deadline without that job security, you're really putting your neck on the line in a way you wouldn't be doing right now. By the way, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or our beauties in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Uh, what we learned is coming up at 830. We're giving away a pair of tickets to the Canucks and the Blues this Wednesday, January 24th, to the best what we learned. So get your text in, hashtag WWL. Make sure you include the ticket emoji for your chance to win. We will select and announce the winner at 8.30. Let's hear the uh, the extended Elliot Friedman clip. This is from today's 32 Thoughts talking. You know, the setup from Merrick was how all in are the Canucks this year? Here's Jeff and Elliot. This is going to sound weird, maybe, but I'll throw it out there anyway. How yeah. all in do you see Vancouver being at this trade deadline? Like, are we talking like like first round picks? Um, you know, uh, throwing you know Jonathan Lekaramaki's name around. Like, how all in? I I think they're all in. I don't think like again. They haven't told me this. I've heard this from other teams. I don't think they want to trade those young guys like the Vlanders and the Letter of Mackies. Like those are not the guys they want to trade. Now, if you're trading for a good player with term, that's when you start getting into those kinds of conversations. But I've heard those are not the guys they want to trade, um, uh, especially for a rental. They're not doing that. Um, you know, they're the, now. I should say. Some you never know what happens when a whole bunch of teams get involved, but I think they're willing to do the first rounder. I don't have any sense as we tape this podcast late Sunday night, early Monday morning, that there is willingness to do some of their top prospects. That's Elliot Friedman reporting. And as you alluded to, uh, Laddie coming in, you know, no surprise that they're not eager to go out and trade Mm -hmm. their two top prospects, the two first round picks that this management group is responsible for in Tom Volander and Jonathan LeCaramacchi. There's a couple things that stand out there, though. One is that, you know, Friedge says, look, I'm not getting this from the Canucks, but other teams are telling me, which suggests no surprise here, but the Canucks are, you know, talking to other teams about players, seeing what's out there, giving other teams indications of, you know, what they might be willing to part with. But I also think it's notable, you know, one, he doesn't say they're completely off the table and he specifically mentions, okay, for a rental, that's probably not happening. But Mm -hmm. if you're talking about a player with term, well, all of a sudden that might become more of a conversation. And, you know, Drance and I were talking about this a little bit on Friday, but when we on the outside looking in are trying to think of, okay, who can the Canucks go get? Basically what we do is we look at teams that aren't in the playoff picture and we look at their pending UFAs, right? And those are the guys who could be available. And so it's Lindholm, you know, Gensel, if the Penguins fall out, Tanev on the flames as well, mm-hmm. you know, Sean Monahan, but other guys become available, whether it's players with term, whether it's a team from you know, on a, a fringe playoff team that doesn't think they're legitimate this year. Other targets become available, and I wonder if we do start to hear a little bit more about some of those other targets, right? That have a little bit. Sometimes more we don't control. hear about them at all, though. Right? Yeah, like how many we didn't hear about Philip Perona no, before it until came. it happened, right? And yeah. so I wonder that you know. And then Durant celebrated. He was like, <laughs> he was, he was like, like Man, that is an awesome trade. Stanley the Cup, here we come. Made. Yeah, <laughs> we hadn't heard much about JT Miller. You know, that's be, true. Being available, yeah. we probably knew that 
Tampa Bay would have to do something, do something. but that came out of left field. I do want to read this text from JC in New West because this is a good text. The underlying numbers for the lotto line haven't been great for the last four to five games. They were awful in the Leafs game and only scored on the power play. Given the light competition for the next three games before the All-Star break, do you think Tockett might break up the lotto line and put Petey back at center with Kuzmenko and Mikheyev? Maybe one last set of games to get Kuzi scoring before trading him. I still think long-term Petey needs to be centering his own line, and hopefully Alvin is able to trade for a scoring winger so that the Canucks have two legitimate scoring lines in the playoffs. I'm going to read one more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was about, I apologize, I've lost it in the inbox here, but it was about trading Mikheyev because he right. hasn't been doing that much and really hasn't since he lost. He hasn't really, I mean, he's got 10 goals on the season, but, you know, there was a reason that Tockett went back to the lotto line. It was because Pedersen's line with mm-hmm. Mikheyev and whoever was up there wasn't working at the best rate possible. Yeah. I don't mind the idea of trying to, um, not it sounds so like dramatic to say break up the lotto line, but I always get the feeling that Taka doesn't necessarily want the lotto line together because I think he would want three strong lines the Garland line with Bluger mm-hmm. and Joshua, and I don't think he's breaking that one on up. But once you put the lotto line together, then you leave a line of suitor. Mikheyev and Kuzmenko and I know a few people have texted in and said I thought they had a strong game uh, against the Leafs but uh, you head into the playoffs I don't know if you want that yep. as, as one of your lines um, what do you think about the idea of in these next three games maybe going back to separating PD and JT so I think you're right the talk it I mean he he said as much right when he put them together at first before they really blew up in subsequent games that you know it was situational we'll see how long it lasts you know the the part from JC and New West about the underlying numbers of the lotto line when they were on the road I think a lot of that was score effects a lot of that was kind of the team being tired at the end of that road trip you know obviously it didn't go great territorially for them against the Leafs I would lean more in these next 3 games to use it as almost Okay, here's it, it, the here's the lotto line's chance to make their case to stay together, right? Like you've got three relatively weak opponents, go out there and feast. You should dominate. Like you're going to be matched up against the Jason Dickinson line in Chicago, right? And congratulations to Dickinson on the contract and the year he's having, but the lotto line should absolutely feast in that matchup as they should do for these remaining three games. If they don't, then at that point I think you take the all-star break and you kind of go back to the drawing board. The McKayev point is really interesting because, you know, as we talk about, okay, what are their other avenues to freeing up cap space? Could trading McKayev be a possibility? He has two more years left after this one at 4.75. So that's a pretty significant cap hit. Is that easier than trading Andre Kuzmenko? I'm not sure if it is with one year at 5.5. I think that's pretty difficult. And the thing with McKayev is with Andre Kuzmenko, as soon as he stops scoring, as soon as he stops complimenting Elias Patterson on a line, it's like, okay, well, what's your role? What yeah. are you going to do? How are we going to use you in a high-stakes playoff game? At least with Ilya Mikheyev, when his production goes dry, not that I don't, I don't think he's the same kind of defensive ace as he was in Toronto right now, but you can still trust him and in a two-way role. And I think if they did go out and get, let's say, uh, Elias Lindholm from Calgary, and you had Lindholm and Mikheyev and 
Pew suit or whoever fill in the blank on the, on that second line. That's a line you can trust and play in all situations. So at least you have a role that that player can fill, even mm-hmm. if he's not scoring. That's why Andre Kuzmenko is such a logical piece to deal for me is because one, you open up a ton of cap space and I just don't see a world where in the next six weeks for the trade deadline, Andre Kuzmenko completely earns Rick Pocket's trust. Totally. I like that's such a big task yeah. given how far uh how 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 much gap there's been between how he's playing and the way Tocket wants mm. him to play. Do you think um let, let's say they they acquired Gensel. Let's just say. Yeah. Because these are the conversations that the Canucks are going to have. Where would he play? So I think if you have Gensel, you probably you have to split up the lot of lineup right right yeah. and you go pd gensel mm-hmm. miller besser those and are your duos those, those are your duos, duos and you rotate yeah. the guys in and mm. look that's pretty <laughs> that's pretty attractive those are two really good duos to have you at also, the top of your lineup you also get a replacement on the power play yep right although hopefully gensel doesn't bring the pittsburgh power play to <laughs> vancouver <laughs> um, that's what lindholm would be a replacement on the power play too could play on that in the uh, on that power play. So I think both of those would work in a big way in the top six. Um, so we keep hearing that the Canucks are going to be aggressive at the deadline. They have their eyes on players like Gensel and Lindholm, plus mm-hmm. a few others. Um, how much would you be willing to give up for a pure rental? Pure rental that you are not going to resign. Now, obviously, it depends on the player, but yep. Gensel and Lindholm are pretty high caliber players. So... I have been banging the table for they should go all in on this year. They should be aggressive. There should be no untouchables in their system if they if you go out and get the right fit. Having said that, I think I agree with what Friedman was saying, that if it's a pure rental, really, really tough to part with LeCaramacchi or Tom Villander. I don't see the rental out there. As much as I like Gensel, as much as I like Lindholm, I don't see the rental player out there that would make that mm-hmm. worthwhile. Beyond that... I don't think there's an asset in the system, in the organization that would give me pause. Like I would trade the first round pick 100%. Totally. No doubt about it. Yeah. And then, you know, Pod Colson, like I like Pod Colson, but he's also playing in the AHL and like his draft plus five year. And he's not exactly like he's good, but he's not Mm -hmm. like the best player in the league or anything Mm -hmm. like that in the AHL. You know, Achiratu, like him as a prospect, but I don't think you hesitate about trading him. The one guy, and I know Rick Jolly has been reporting that maybe they've, the corner on this as well. The team is Hoaglander just because Hoaglander's giving you value right now in the yes, lineup. Yes. So as much as he might have value, could help you land something, you're also subtracting from your lineup. So for me, it's not so much that he's untouchable as it is you have to factor in that you need the upgrade and then you need to replace his spot in the lineup too, and that's going to be hard to do. Um, why do you think there's so much interest in this market? We seem to be getting a lot of texts about Sean Monahan. I think it's because there's basically three UFA centers on the trade market, and it's him, Sean Monahan, mm-hmm. Lindholm, and Adam Henrique. I All think right. that's it. And Sean Monahan still has like some of that name value, you know, high profile first round mm-hmm. pick in a Canadian market, scored a bunch of goals for Calgary. I don't see him as a fit at all. Like yeah. what the, the whole thing we're talking about is upgrading on Andre Kuzmenko, who the coach doesn't trust. Right? You need if you're doing that, you need to find somebody that the coach feels really good about putting on the ice in a tight playoff game in the third period. You know what I mean? And I don't, I don't know if Sean Monaghan is that guy, certainly not in your top six at this point in his career, at least with Adam Henrique. He's not the name brand player that Elias Lindholm is. He obviously doesn't have that upside, mm-hmm. but I think he would have that trust from talking. He's I think a responsible play him two-way in those center. situations. Yeah. yeah. 
I don't know if that's Sean Monahan. No, like I, I don't see what role Sean Monahan fills on this team that they're not getting already for other players. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.